the other day I got a great sort of sense of feeling that I need to tell somebody that you're not a problem to be fixed. Just kept on going over and over in my brain to say, you're not a problem to be fixed. Neither are you a personality to be probed. Uh, you're not a diagnosis, a number or a category. Uh, you may feel like you are being analysed so you can fit into a box, but no, you're not a tick in a box. You are human. Let me tell you that again. You are human. And they may, may have a file on you that is a lifetime long, yet you're not that file. You're not a disorder, an addiction, an anxiety or a depression. You're not a mood or a melancholy. But for me, a while ago, it felt like I was another problem to be fixed. And they had the solutions. Just do this and that, and life will get back on track. Next patient, please. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? that? That feeling that you are simply another person to be sold, that you are interrupting somebody's journey, and they want to fix you as soon as possible possible so that they can get on with their life um, and I call that dehumanization and that's a very big fancy word that means to deprive a person of human qualities so that they're no longer a number and you are more of a problem to be solved a number a disorder a box to be ticked and I once wrote an essay called Dehumanization and Sexual Abuse. And over on the website, on the blog post, which you can find in the footnotes and in the show notes of this particular episode, <clears throat> a link so you can read that. It's not an easy read, but one that um, takes the reader into the story of Jesus, that Jesus told of the dehumanized man, or what most people call the story of the Good Samaritan. But it's actually about the man in the ditch dying from the abuse or lack of care, um, but the abuse of the robbers because they saw him for what he had, not for who he was. All right, because they stripped him bare, took everything. They saw him as something that they could get things off. And at the end of the writing this quite long essay, I wrote a poem. I'm not a poet, but <clears throat> I wrote this poem, and it was this. I'll read it out to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. A soul was travelling from cradle to grave when a band of abusers stole and depraved, naked and beaten, stripped of its worth, vulnerable, alone, no friend but a curse. Eyes half glazed, scanning the crowd, looks for a lover, a soul to be found. One walks toward, all pompous and proud, degrees on the wall, no soul to be found. Don't take me, he says, I have a nice crown, too busy today to ever look down. A lawyer comes by, all knowing, all fine, I have all the words, except I'll be kind. To me you're a nobody, legal aid might help, I might just do, up until then justice is not for you. With a flurry of dust, trolley wheels spinning round, a child comes forth on a vehicle not sound. 
He pulls to a halt, looks to the ground, the trickle of blood, the deep moaning sound. He is only one, he'll do what he can. He steps to the ground, heart in his hand. The soul looks with fear, wonders what a good boy can do. Yet he is hopeless and helpless, no neighbours that are true. The boy walks forward, assesses the mess. He's seen this before, it's Christ in distress. The eyes see each other, a glance with some fear. The child reaches forward with much love and tear. The soul lies abused, lost of all its worth. Lost all its worth, it's broken and battered, a corpse without nerve. The boy gives embrace, not knowing the toll. He strokes back the hair, reviving the soul. With much gentle care, he bathes deep wounds. Tender words, broken heart, he gives a cocoon. Memories flood of traumas met, past traumas met. <clears throat> Abuse and self-blame mixed with doubt and regret. Why do they do this? The questions do rise. The tears run down, their cheeks never dry. The boy looks and wonders, what can he say? The questions go unanswered and embrace the fears allay. With arms reaching out, he embraces the soul. He pulls it into him, a story to be told. Other others walk by, platitudes in their mouth. Just try harder, it will all work out. Paint a brave face, that's what we do. Everyone's watching, boxed with a view. No time to stop and lend a hand. The people walk by, head in the sand. It's really not that bad until it's themselves, left blooded and bleeding, abused on the shelf. I like my life clean, no dirt on my hands. I'll stick with the likeable, secure and bland. Love sees the invisible, the talent in hand. For want of compassion, someone to take a stand. The traumas now faced, the heart scars healed. A soul is restored, a future revealed. A glance, an embrace, a soul reaching forth. Not a project they see, but love at full worth. Wow. As I was reading that, I was thinking, wow. Yep, that's so true. And that's what I've done with some people. Um, we've all been dehumanised. To some degree, we have all felt the coldness of being treated as less than something glorious and made in the image of God. We've all felt the chill of people walking by, not noticing, not caring. You are not a problem to be fixed or somewhat something broken to be mended. Instead, you are one that needs connection. Someone who needs to know that you are not alone in this world of categorization and tick boxing or box ticking. ticking. <laughs> that you have worth and beauty and presence. That you matter and God dances and delights over you. There is a journey out of the ditch of what others have done to you and even the coffin boxes you have put into yourself, put yourself into. Perhaps it will take a child, maybe someone with a childlike naivety who has no preconceived diagnoses or formula but simply trusts in a God of love to do the work. Perhaps it will take someone like an Armando. And uh, there's a story that I read about this little eight-year-old boy called Armando. Small because he hadn't he had been abandoned by his mother and was dying from lack of food. And Amando wasn't able to talk, uh, walk, or eat by himself. In addition, he had a severe mental health disability. 
In an orphanage, he found people who loved him and held him, and as they did, he gradually began to eat again and develop. But when carers picked him up, his whole world, his whole body would quiver with joy and excitement and say, I love you. Amanda was a lover. What was his worth? In our worldly measurement of success, fame and value, perhaps he had no value at all. But to those who held him and knew him, there was worth that kind of celebrated true love. It was the like the Christ light or the Christ shining through his eyes. Amandos shaped the familiar world of worth that is based on human values. Look, please don't treat people as problems to be fixed. Look deep, look long. Look for the longings that every one of us has to be known, to be held, to be loved. Please know that you are not a problem to be fixed. You are not a category, a diagnosis or a treatment plan. You are not your past. You're not even your future. You are you, made in the image of a dancing community that welcomes you for connection. Hmm. <sighs> Some quotes. The load or weight or burden of my neighbour's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal, but our charity must be a real and costly love. C.S. Lewis. On the cross, the dancing circle of self-giving and mutually indwelling divine persons opens us up for the enemy. In agony of the passion, the movement stops, and for a brief moment, an official appears so that sinful humanity can join in. We, the others, we, the enemies, are embraced by the divine persons who love us with the same love with which they love each other and therefore make space for us within their own eternal embrace. Miroslav Volf. And I, I want to explain that a bit more. Imagine God as a like a dancing community and there's the, the, the three of them are so fully engaged with each other that, that it's just a beautiful, beautiful dance and it's, it's joy complete. And they open up their arms and they welcome us in, us who don't know how to dance, and say, come in and learn from us and enjoy our dance. And that's that's what, that's what I'm all, all about. <laughs> okay, next quote. One of the greatest challenges of the spiritual life is to receive God's forgiveness. There is something in us humans that keeps us clinging to our sins and prevents us from letting God erase our past and offer us a complete new beginning. Sometimes it even seems as though I want to prove to God that my darkness is not uh, that my darkness is too great to overcome. Henry Nguyen. Therapists accomplish great and good results because they are lovers in the personal sense of the world and not experts. Only genuine, unpurchasable love does what needs to be done in the human soul. Larry Crabb. And what makes a human being what makes a human being human is the heart with which they can give and receive love. Conrad Miller. Both the scriptures and the history of the church teach us that if the Holy Spirit is working, the whole man will be involved and there will be much cost to the Christian. The more the Holy Spirit works, the more there will be a personal cost and tiredness. 
It is quite the opposite of what we might first think. People often cry for the work of the Holy Spirit and yet forget that when the Holy Spirit works, there is always a tremendous cost to the people of God, weariness, tears and battles. Francis Schaeffer Change is possible and substantial, but not perfected until heaven. Substantial healing, a phrase used by Francis Schaeffer, underscores the possibility of deep and meaningful alteration without blinding our eyes to the fact that permanent and final change awaits the transformation of the world through Christ's return. The wounds of living in a fallen world with fallen people, including ourselves, make being damaged internally and externally a certainty. Hmm, Dan Elder. Beneath what our culture calls psychological disorder is a soul crying out for what only community can provide. Larry Crabb. Nothing changes a human heart so deeply as to look bad in the presence of love, to be seen and still be wanted, more to be delighted in. That's grace. Larry Crabb. And the final one is from Larry is, I see a healing community as a group of people who place connecting as the exact centre of their purpose and passion. Connecting with God, worship, others, loving service, and ourselves, personal holiness, wholeness. All else is either a root to or as a result of connecting. Loving God and loving others lie at the core of God's intention for his people. Larry Crabb. Some questions. Have you ever felt someone wants to fix you? <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> Number two, what is it like to feel known, loved and accepted, even with all of our problems? Number three, why do we want to try and fix others? What is the energy behind the fix them mentality? <laughs> oh, I When I wrote this, I just had people that I wanted to say, not a problem to be fixed. Maybe it was you that I was thinking of. <laughs> I'd like to hear from you. Uh, email me at barry at turningthepage.co.nz um, or there's, yeah, there's lots of links down in the show notes to this episode, but I'd love to hear from you. Um, I think it's an important um, episode, this one. And um, just a big thank you to those people who donate regularly to keep this Turning the Page thing going on. Um, if you want to be one of those people, it's turningthepage.co.nz forward slash give. And um, every little dollar helps. Okay. Thank you so much. And I do pray that you see that you're not a problem to be fixed. <laughs>